Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning in to Messages of Hope, the sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in downtown Las Vegas. Our preacher today is Pastor Matthew Metavellis, and our reading comes from Genesis 27 and 28. Thanks for listening. God bless you this day. Our lesson this morning is from the book of Genesis. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, he called his elder son Esau and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, See, I'm old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out in the field and hunt game for me. Then prepare for me savory food such as I like, and bring it to me to eat, that I may bless you before I die. Then Rebekah took the best garments of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. And she put the skins of the kids on his hands and the smooth part of his neck. Then she handed the savory food and the bread that she had prepared to her son Jacob. So he went in into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game so that you may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near that I may feel you, my son, and know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went up to his father Isaac, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened. And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. You You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, 
You may have missed it recently, but we got a message from a very powerful, almost semi-divine being. This being throughout our history made himself present in many homes and possessed special powers to communicate with animals and to solve intricate puzzles. And after a long absence, he returned to us. Hi. You got a second? Okay. You remember how when we were younger we used to um, run around and hang out with Blue and find clues and talk to Mr. Salt and freak out about the mail and do all the fun stuff and then one day I was like, oh hey, guess what? Big news. I'm leaving. Uh, This is my brother Joe. He's your new best friend. And then I got on a bus and I left and we didn't see each other for like a really long time. Can we just talk about that great because I I realized that 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 was kind of abrupt Um, I just kind of got up and went to college and uh, that was really challenging by the way but great because I got to use my mind and take a step at a time and now I literally am doing many of the things that I wanted to do and then look at you and look at all you have done and all you have accomplished in all that time. And it just, it's just so amazing, right? I mean, we started out with clues and now it's what? Student loans and um, jobs and families. And some of it has been kind of hard, you know? I know you know. And I wanted to tell you that I I really couldn't have done all of that without your help. And in fact, all the help that you helped me with when we were younger is still helping me today, right now. And that's super cool. I guess I just wanted to say that after all these years, I never forgot you, ever. And I'm super glad we're still friends. Thanks for listening. You look great, by the way. Whatever it is you're doing, it's working. Now, now you may be like me and uh, a little older or maybe a lot older than the uh, 90s babies who grew up watching the original Blues Clues, but the Internet just exploded after this. Uh, So many people were talking about how much of this put them in tears. And I think the phrase that got people more than anything else was... After all these years, I never forgot about you, ever. This is the same message that Jacob got in our scripture lesson this Sunday. The most important words are the ones where it says that the Lord, after that dream and after that vision, stood beside Jacob. Not a voice in the sky like Monty Python, not right not a you know not a voice coming out of a burning bush like we're going to learn about in bible study today god stood beside jacob and said i haven't forgotten about you ever so jacob had contrived with his mother to steal a blessing from his brother Jacob is forced away from his home by the rage of his brother. He is literally told, 
Esau is seeking his consolation by killing you. And he is setting out for a foreign land in the middle of nowhere. And God comes right in the midst of that, stands right beside Jacob and says, I have not forgotten about you ever. God said that he would keep Jacob and never depart from him, right? This is, by the way, the Lord bless you and keep you. This is, by the way, in Genesis, keep the land and till it. This is not just putting somebody in your back pocket. Keeping somebody is the same as being married or being in a relationship. It means constant, intimate attention. And God promised to... Uh, we, we'll have that fight later. God promised to stay with Jacob until God kept all the promises that God had made to him and his ancestors. Now, Jacob, from the time he was very little, would have heard, maybe, I'm speculating, but I think he maybe would have heard from his mother about the time that she had both Jacob and Esau in her womb, and she went and prayed to God because she could feel them fighting inside her womb. Those of you who have been uh, pregnant know, right, the way that that babies can uh, start kicking and moving around. Uh, Imagine when you have two brothers that are fighting from this very point. And he would have heard from her that she went and prayed to God saying, why do I have to put up with this? And he would have heard about the promise that she received that he would be greater than his brother, even though his brother was physically stronger than him, and that one day his brother Esau would serve him. Now, at this point in the story, things were not looking this way. It's a pretty common thing in the book of Genesis, right? So when you're reading scripture, pay attention to this, because this is about how all the stories go. God makes a promise. God says, this will happen. And then circumstances make that promise look very difficult. How can God make a people numerous in a land that they don't even live in? How can a barren old woman conceive? Right? These are the kinds of promises that God makes that seem to go against nature, that seem to go against logic. And what happens when God makes those promises sometimes is the heroes in the story either shrug it off, they laugh at the insanity of it like Sarah, they deny it outright the same way Abraham did, or what they do, and Abraham did this too, that's another story, is they try to take matters into their own hands. And nobody in all of Scripture is better at taking matters into his own hands than Jacob. He takes matters into his own hands literally this morning by trying to get hairy arms and hands like mine to convince his dad that he was really his brother Jacob. Jacob was doing this from the womb. Esau was the one who came out first. And Jacob grabbed him by the heel, almost at that last second, trying to get that leg up so that Jacob could be the first one out. And then throughout his life, he is constantly trying to cheat and con Esau. He tries to get Esau to sell his blessing for some very hastily cooked stew. And in our story, he worked with his mother to trick his father into giving him the blessing. His name, Jacob's name, 
tells us everything we need to know about him. His name in Hebrew is Yaakov, which can mean, yes, he supplants, but my favorite translation is he cheats. So when you hear that name for Jacob, hear that. He cheats. Now, Jacob is that character in stories that many of us end up rooting for in spite of ourselves. He was Luther's favorite Old Testament character, for those of you keeping score for reasons we can talk about later. But Jacob in this story is the conniver. He's the schemer. He is the con person. Right? So for you Game of Thrones fans, he's a character a little like Littlefinger. Maybe uh, for those of you who remember, he's a character kind of like Frank Underwood in House of Cards, which you might root for a little bit at first, and then you're just kind of, as the writing dis- dissolved, maybe not. Now all of us are caught in this endless spinning wheel, talking about how our careers, our resumes, our net worths, our special skills, our self-care, our smarts, our plans, our politics, our constant cycle of treatments, our ability to be kind and good even to an abusive partner, or our success in hiding depression or addiction, or maybe how all the things we're pointlessly hanging on to desperately and desperately reaching for, excuse me, will one day help us win. We have to construct that story over and over again. And all the while, we have to hide the truth that in so many ways, we are not winning. Maybe indeed we're losing the things that we care about the most. Maybe some of us are just so good at hiding it. And in our own ways, we're stranded in the wilderness Maybe some of us are trying to snatch at blessings in the midst of poverty, eviction, divorce, old age, school that is way too hard, friends that let us down, and oh yeah, systemic racism, climate change, and a global pandemic that has not let up. There are so many ways where we feel that we are not winning, or maybe even more importantly, ways that our neighbors are not winning. And so here's Jacob. He had a promise, and he wasn't seeing it. So he tried to snatch it for himself. He tried to take it into his own hands, but it didn't work. His brother was angry. His family sent him away, part for his own safety. He had to go to him by himself to a place he had probably never been. And maybe some of you have heard this phrase, our brothers and sisters uh, who meet at AA probably use it quite a bit, this phrase, rock bottom, right? You've heard that? Well, Jacob actually went to a place that was rock bottom because he had to take a rock and use it for his pillow. One star review on that hotel, right? But it was that moment where, where Jacob was out and temporarily homeless and without family or friends that Jacob got a message. And that message was, after all these years, I haven't forgotten about you ever. I see your struggle. But God is going to take it a little bit further than Steve from Blue's Clues. If Steve from Blue's Clues starts making promises to you about giving you children, you might need to give either me or Pastor Jason a call. 
But God makes this promise to Jacob. It was the same one that God gave to Jacob's grandfather. And God comes to Jacob and says, yes, I was your grandfather's God. I was your father's God. I am your God. And you, just like I promised them, you'll get a a land, a family, a new life. And I am staying right here. I'm going to keep you until that comes true. This is how I win, God says. But listen also to the very thing that God promises Jacob. I'm going to give you the land on which you lie. I'm going to take this wilderness, this place of desolation, this place of being alone, this place where you struggle, and I'm going to give it to you as a possession of all for all time but not where but but not before I completely transform it I worked with a woman a few years ago that had lost her adult daughter to a very rare form of cancer and her daughter lived with her during the time of her treatment and she talked with me constantly about her daughter's room And how that was a great place of pain for her. And she always had to keep the door shut that she hadn't gone in there. And this was a cause of great distress for her for months. But then after a while, she started going in there a little bit at a time. And then, all of a sudden, she started taking her meals in there. She told me, this is the place where I can go and talk with my daughter. She received courage to make that place of desolation and that place of abandonment and that place that was so empty. She turned it into a place of continual love, of continual community, a place where grief was defied. And this is what God is doing with the places where we struggle. That is where God is going to open the very gates of heaven, not in a casino, not in a church. God is going to open those gates of heaven in those places where people struggle. Those are the places, wherever it is in your life, whether it is a physical place, whether it is a past experience, whether it is a painful relationship, those are a place that God is going to fill with the footsteps of angels. That is a place that God is going to fill with his voice. That is a place where God made a promise that binds God to Jacob and Jacob's family in blood, sweat, and tears. And in that place of agony, in that place of abandonment, that is where God will stand beside Jacob. Not desolate as it was but teeming with the life that God would give it. See, all around the ancient Near East at this time, there were other staircases. There were other ladders. And maybe that word staircase is better because you might have have seen it in the history textbook, right? These ziggurats. Have you ever heard that term? The steps that would go on all of these uh, pyramids. Not smooth like some of the pyramids in Egypt, but they would literally have steps where you could go up staircases high into the skies and you could go up to the gods and you can seek uh, their help to win, right? To get good crops, to get victory in war, to get all the stuff that you need, right? 
But God is not interested in you chasing after God for any of that. The staircase that God builds is not one that reaches up to help you win, but one that digs down. And when God gets finally to the bottom, that's when God wins. So there is a staircase right now that is planted in those desolate places wherever you or I or your children or your grandchildren or your neighbors that don't want to go to church or have anything to do with God, those places of pain, God builds temples. And they're called the cross. Remember the story last week? That mountain where Abraham endured the trial of nearly sacrificing his son? It was on that very place, Mount Moriah, where the kingdom that David would develop built a temple after his death. And that's what God is in the business of doing. God is in the business of temple construction, but he builds them, or God builds them on places of temptation, struggle, grief, failure, injustice, rage, and pain. This is how God wins, brothers and sisters. God wins by planting temples anchored to the ground with a cross of God's Son, Jesus Christ, on every place where we suffer, every place where we're terrible to one another, every place where we bear the scars of someone else's abuse, anger, or indifference. Every place that feels like a desolation to us, that is where God makes a beginning. That is where God builds life. Those are places, those hard, painful, and unmentionable places where God seeks you, forgives you, renews you, empowers you, and makes you holy before you can say a word or do a thing. Those are the places where you hear about God's love for you. And those awful places are the ones where God dies for you. And those are the places, too, by the way, where God brings you to share the pain of your neighbors. And when we finally perceive this, we are a little bit like Jacob. And we say, God is in this place. And I did not know it. Just like that poor woman found my daughter was in this place. And I didn't know it. And it was that very rock that a weary, broken, abandoned Jacob rested his head on, that Jacob anointed it and blessed it and called it God's house. Four stars. And that's what's happening constantly in your lives, through the faith that you are being given. And so you do need to come to this place, hear those words again, look at that baptismal font, And think of God, not Steve from Blue's Clues, saying, hey, by the way, no matter how many years your baptism was ago, I haven't forgot about you ever. And look at that cross and hear Christ reaching out to you, taking all your pain, giving you forgiveness, freedom, and life, and telling you, this is my way. I'm not an athlete. This is how I win. And brothers and sisters, all that God is seeking to win is you. Amen.